You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. All right, the title today is Bioelogical Clock. It'll tie in here in a minute, I guess, some of that humor, if you want to call that humor. But I want to read you a story, kind of an article I found by Lori Smith at Crosswalk.com. And it's entitled, When Panic Strikes. How old are you? Oh, you've got plenty of time. Your eggs aren't hard-boiled yet. Karen, an older friend, was trying to talk me down from a state of biological clock-induced panic. At this point, I have to apologize to the guys who are reading talk of anything in the ovum categories enough to make me turn up the radio and hum loudly, and I'm sure it's not a topic of conversation you welcome. But the will I ever have kids thing is such a big issue for single women, I thought it deserved some time. Until now, my biological clock has been soft, faint, distant, and I have largely ignored it. I'm only 30, right? I've got plenty of time. No telling what God will do with my life. I mean, technically, I could still fit in marriage and five kids with childbearing years I have left. That was until last week in the grocery store checkout line when I picked up a copy of Time magazine for quote-unquote research purposes. Because the cover article was compelling, babies versus career, what should come first for women who want both? The harsh facts about fertility. The facts were harsh indeed. Fertility begins to decline not sometime in your mid to late 30s, as I assume, but at 27. I'm sure some of you ladies are feeling much better that you came to this point. (laughs) At 35, your chance of having a miscarriage has doubled to 18%, and by the time you reach your early 40s, your eggs are just all messed up. Dr. Michael Souls, past president of the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, says there's no promising therapy for age-related infertility. The article also quotes Sylvianne Hewlett, author of Creating a Life, Professional Women in the Quest for Children. She says, nowadays the rule of thumb seems to be that the more successful the woman, or the woman, the less likely is she will find a husband or bear a child. For men, the reverse is true. I found that only one quarter of high-achieving men end up without kids. Men generally find that if they are successful, everything else follows naturally. The message to career women. If you put off family for too long, you may be left childless. At this point, my head was spinning. I was roughly calculating how quickly I could get married, and if I met someone, say, next week... Feeling angry about the fact that men don't deal with this problem, that everything falls in place for them when they are successful, and grieving over the fact that my own success may be a detriment. I wondered if the person who wrote the article realized that some of us didn't choose to be here. We just ended up single at 30, wondering where to go to meet someone. Is that an amen over there? I heard an uh uh-huh. As close as we're going to get today, probably. I began to feel that my body was working against me, quietly snuffing out opportunities for life. Forever loomed large and my heart sunk at the thought that this may be it. The sum of my life, a career, a friend to get coffee with on Friday night, a neighbor to help me figure out what to do about termites, seemed horribly small. I spent an afternoon with my squirmy, determined, brilliant 18-month-old niece, read The Very Quiet Cricket, and cried. Underneath this pain and in spite of this imperative to do something now because time is running out is an understanding that my life will not be determined by my biology, but by my God. 
I don't really believe I just ended up here. I believe that this is what God had planned for my life, that it is a good part of his plan. And though he doesn't always override biology, he's not limited by it. Now, let me read that again. And though he doesn't always override biology, he is not limited by it. It sounds cliched and overly simplistic to say that God is in control, but I believe he is. He may rapidly change the course of my life. One friend met her husband, married, and had a baby within 18 months. Or he may give me the courage to embrace my single life for the next 20 years. Or he could surprise me with a child at 41, as he did with my grandmother. There are some painful possibilities ahead and things I would rather not contemplate. I'm learning, though, that pain and faith can coexist. Now, why did I read a whole article by a woman? Because a man doesn't know jack anything about this. And if you are 20-something, 30-something years of age, or you know somebody in that category, and they're getting panicked, to me, one of the more terrifying things about this whole process for women is not that they're not going to have children, and that's the fear, is that they're going to get freaked out so much that they will make a snap decision, like she said, meet someone next week, and just marry somebody to have a kid. Worse than that now is people say, well, why don't you get married? I'll just find some guy and get pregnant. I want to have children. I don't want to mess with this husband thing. So I'll just get a donor of some kind. And they're usually not hard to find, by the way, <laughs> as long as you don't tell them that's what they're donating. <laughs> and just get pregnant. Talked to a girl the other day, some circumstance in a family. She's 30-something years of age, never married. And something happened. A baby was born to somebody in her family, and she adopted this child. Till now she has children. There is still something, I think, in all this women's lib stuff and all the equality. You know what? Men will never be equal to women because a woman experiences and can experience having a baby, and a man will never know that. I can remember three times in my life watching my wife. I wasn't you know, jealous of the throwing up and all that. That didn't seem too fun. But thinking, I can only watch, hold her hair back over the commode. That's all I can do. I will never know what this is to have a physical life alive inside of me. Now, on the other hand, I do know something about having a spiritual life on the inside of me. And when God starts to kick and move and make himself known in there sometimes, you do have some sense of what it is like to be indwelt by somebody. But a woman experiences something, and some women long to experience this and say, God, I don't want to live and die without this. Now, believe it or not, the Bible is full of this stuff. And I'm going to take one category of this, kind of an extreme, and go beyond not just can't find somebody to marry, not don't want to just go out and get pregnant and have kids. What if you, everything's working, let's say you're just barren and there is no chance. I mean, that's the impossibility. You think, well, nobody can override that. Well, I'll read you some stuff. Genesis chapter 11, verse 30 simply says, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. The story of Abraham and Sarah, and that God came and promised, and she kind of gave up on that and has said, here's Hagar. And I, you know, I'm kind of glad we live in the New Testament time after the cross, and I'm going to read you some wacky stuff. I mean, if you read your Bible, you're going to find some bizarre stuff in here sooner or later. I mean, it's, well, you'll see in a second. I mean, it's not like, you know, if your wife can't get pregnant, you say, well, here, take the maid and, you know, sleep with her, and we'll have some kids that way. I mean, most women, I don't think, would be crazy about that idea that I know, not in this country at least. Abraham, Sarah was barren. She had no child. Genesis chapter 16, Abraham's wife, born him no children. She gives Hagar to Abraham. Then Hagar gets pregnant, and Sarah is hot. 
She's like, you know what, wrong decision, this is on you, and shouldn't have done this, and, you know, regrets doing it. Sarah says to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me, and Abraham said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hand, do as you please. So, and when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So now Hagar is gone with one of Abraham's kids. Then jump down to Genesis 18. Angel shows up, where is Sarah, your wife? She's in the tent, and the whole story about Sarah laughing that she would become pregnant, long story short, at 90-something years of age, way past, I mean, I mean, her clock got run over. I mean, she was, I mean, you know, it's kind of sold at a garage sale. It didn't happen. You're not getting pregnant again. And God intervenes. Now, am I saying, you know, if you're out there and you have many kids and you're 90, hold on, there's hope. You know, God can, you may be praying, oh, God, don't do that to me. But she gets pregnant, has this child, and it's a child of promise. God can override these things. And the reason I bring some of these things up is this. We say, well, Jesus was born of a virgin. It's a miracle. There's a whole lot of other miracles in the Bible, not that same kind of category. But God intervenes throughout history. And the powerful thing to me and the exciting thing to me and encouraging thing to me about reading the Scripture is I go back and I say, you know what, this is this God that did all this stuff. If He can do that, He can do something in my life. And there is hope, and I don't have to panic. I don't have to run and take matters into my own hands. And if you will be calm, I mean, I meet girls, guys do this too, but girls at 20, late 20s, 30s, you know, my wife was born to my mother-in-law when she was 38. My mother-in-law was 38, and that's how old, old Rebecca is that long ago. I've learned you don't reveal that information publicly. <laughs> but it's a few decades back, and they saw a child and a little boy, and Talked about adopting that child. My father-in-law was 48. My mother-in-law was 38. And my father-in-law said, you know, let's just have our own. Well, back then, you just didn't have babies at 38 a whole lot. Had their own little boy. Turned out to be a little girl, and I thank God for that every day. <laughs> there you have it. But if you will be patient, if you will be still, a lot of times women just get panicked and grab somebody or run after somebody or just say, well, I know in my heart this is the right thing to do, but this guy loves me, even if I don't love him, we'll make the best of it. And you just think you've got trouble without kids. Now you got no love in a marriage, and he might give you a child, but now you don't have a husband. And sooner or later, he's going to figure that out. Slow down. Your best option, in my opinion, is to connect with the God of the universe and trust Him and listen to Him and ask for His protection. There are worse things than being childless. It's having a house full of kids and being lonely because you took matters into your own hands. And I think if we went around this room, I would never ask for hands. But in a room, any room like this, anywhere on the planet, we all suffer from the consequences of our decisions. And some of you are down the road and you think, well, looking back, yeah, I would have done that. And some of you younger girls, however old that is, you know, it might do you some good to sit down with some more mature, older women and say, you know, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? And make sure you've got a godly one on the hook and not somebody who says, yeah, I mean, I've heard some of the wackiest advice. I mean, you can't imagine what even Christian people tell other Christian people. A girl was frustrated, not married, you know, this whole thing kicking in. She went to another Christian girl and said, you know, of all these things going on, what should I do? And quote, this is what she told her. She said, well, you just need to go out and get laid this weekend. Now, I couldn't find the verse for that. <laughs> but see, that was that girl's answer to frustration. You know, no big deal, just go do that. But the consequences of that are 
it's immeasurable. Find someone that's going to give you good, godly advice, and I suggest women go to women, men go to men, and ask somebody, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm thinking, have you ever been here, have you ever thought this, what did you do, do you know somebody who can help me with this? And talk about these things to help you get through it. Abraham has a baby and changed history, but there was some consequence for them jumping in and doing it their own way. Genesis 25, this is the genealogy of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, his wife, as wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padamaran, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. Now this is just Abraham and Sarah having Isaac. Now Isaac's picked a wife, and Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now, his mom's already been through this whole thing, not be able to have kids, and then boom, she had a kid. Now, he picks a wife who can't have kids. So, now here's the husband kicking in, praying for his wife. And there's a lot of basis for this in the Scriptures. Your wife wants to have a baby, and some of you guys are praying she will not have a baby. I'm saying these guys are like, you know what, this is affecting my wife. Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire the Lord. Now, they didn't have sonograms. It's the closest thing you get. Just ask God. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. And it turns out she has twins. And I think, I don't know how old she was. It didn't say in this passage. But when you get over 40 having kids, the ratio, I think it's 1 to 600 and something before that you'll have twins, and it jumps like 1 in 60 something that you'll have, or 40 something I think it was, that you could have twins. And verse 24 says, So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And if you've read on, you know the story of Esau and Jacob and how all that unfolded. But here's another woman, couldn't have kids, and boom, God answers a prayer. Go down to Genesis 29, the story of Leah. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. Now this is literally God himself looking at a certain person's situation who could not have kids and opening her womb. But Rachel was barren. So Leah conceived. Now track with me for a minute because I'm going to read you something. And this is one of these wacky deals that's in here. But to show you how men and women think, and in this particular case how women think, and now there's a childbearing race that goes on. Now you think you got trouble not having kids. Listen to this. So Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord has surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Then she conceived again and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am in love, he has therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. She conceived again and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. That's why genes usually fit so closely. <laughs> And she conceived again and bore a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Okay, that's enough. He's probably close to me now. I'm done. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I'll die. I can't take it. And Jacob's anger was aroused against Rachel. And he said, Am I in the place of God who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? I can't make you pregnant. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. It's not, you know, God's got to do something here. So she said, here is my maid, Bilhah. The maid, you know, be careful who hires you as a maid somewhere. This is going to be dangerous. <laughs> Here's my maid, Bilhah. Go into her, and she will bear a child on my knees. And I don't want to get too graphic here, but literally, she'll push the child out my knees. It'll appear that I'm having this baby. It'll be like it's mine, that I also may have children by her. Then she gave him Bilhah, her maid, his wife. And Jacob went into her, and Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has judged my cases. 
And he has also heard my voice and given me a son. Therefore she called his name Dan. And Rachel's maid Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took Zilpah, her maid. Now I can't hear him. I'm getting left behind here now. I'm going to find my maid. Where's my maid? You know. She took Zilpah, her maid, and gave her to Jacob, his wife. And Leah's maid, Zilpah, bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, A troop comes. <laughs> So she called his name Gad, and Leah's maid Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, I am happy, for the daughters will call me blessed. So she called his name Asher. Now Reuben went in the days of wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, It is a small matter that you have taken away my husband. Would you take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he will lie with you tonight for your son's mandrakes. Now they're trading sex with their own husband for, you know, produce. <laughs> when Jacob came out of the field in the evening, Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for I have surely hired you with my son's mandrakes. I cut a deal with the other wife, and you're with me tonight. And he lay with her that night, and God listened to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Leah said, God has given me my wages because I have given my maid to my husband. So she called his name Ishakar. Then Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. And Leah said, God has endowed me with a good endowment. Now my husband will dwell with me because I have borne him six sons. Like somehow if you got a bunch of kids by these guys, they'll stay with you. Mm-hmm, I got some mm-hmm going out there. <laughs> So she called his name Zebulun. Afterwards she bore a daughter and called her name Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. Now all this chaos. Now part of the reason I'm telling you this too is you think there is no way God's going to intervene. We have completely screwed up our lives. God will abandon me. I've made too many mistakes. He's done with me. This is too chaotic. But in the middle of all this bargaining for produce and keeping up with maids and having babies... Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And what did she call him? Joseph. Now let me tell you what kind of overwhelms me when I read all this stuff. You think that your desire is to have a baby and you're worried about all this stuff. Let me tell you something. There are people to be born, and God knows when and where and how. And it is so amazing and unimaginable sometimes. God knows who's going to be born and the plans that he has for those babies. And it may not be in your time. It may not be when you want it. But at some point, you've got to let go and release your life to Christ and say, I am not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to trust you, God. And I'm going to depend on you. And I'm going to be still and I'm going to be patient until I know this is from you or I'm going to screw things up even worse than I have already. And I know some people listen today going, you know what, I'm 50-something years old, I've got my kids, I'm done with that. I don't even want to think about getting pregnant, don't even pray for me anymore. I, you know, I don't, want any, I don't need these miracles in my life, I've already, the miracle was getting them gone, you know, I'm done. And there's other stories, there's one in Judges chapter 13 about another barren woman and Samson born to her. And his life wasn't a, you know, a perfect picture either necessarily, but another miraculous thing. Now let me read you Psalm 113, this might encourage and help somebody. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name be praised. 
The Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high, who humbles Himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? It's almost like He is so great, it says He's so high, that He has to humble Himself to even look down at what's in the heavens and on the earth. He's so up there. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap, that he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Now see, there are women out there who read this stuff hoping it'll happen. There are some women who read it because it has happened and that God has heard your cry and stepped in. See, even if God grants your wish, you get a husband, you get a wife, you get a kid, you've got to trust Him every single day. So ultimately, you have got to release your life, your family, your children, everything you've got, and trust Him. And the reason I call this a biological clock is that at some point it's not about logical, it's not just about clocks and about timing and about biology, it's about God intervening and saying, you know what, don't worry about all that. I hear your cry, I know who you are, I've got a plan. One last story over in the book of Luke. When Mary got pregnant with Jesus, before that Elizabeth got pregnant. And if you remember in Luke chapter 1, there were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. So some people say, well, you don't have any kids. You're not this or that because you got sin in your life. You know what? Don't say that to somebody. There are more people get screwed up by well-intentioned religious nuts who walk up to somebody and just say the most bizarre stuff. And even if that were somehow true, don't just randomly say that. That ought to be the most surgical, gentle comment you ever make to anybody. How's your life? What's going on? Is there anything that the Holy Spirit's been showing you that maybe could be causing, you know, Job hadn't done anything. He just got picked because he was righteous. That's why he got picked. So this couple's doing the right thing. They're both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and in ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now see, at some point you just give up. I bet you they weren't even thinking about having kids. It's just my lot in life. But see, God had a child, and this stuff just boggles my mind. Because for John the Baptist to be born of this couple, and not to get too technical here, you know, but a man's body, it's one sperm, one egg, the combination of those yields a specific individual. You did not get born by chance. You know, however many hundreds of millions of sperm that try to make it to the egg and one makes it and that moment in a barren womb is not barren anymore. God opens that womb and there's fertile eggs there and all this stuff. They still were intimate, obviously. And I think that's an important thing to point out. But boom, here this child is conceived. And John the Baptist is born. But the process of this is, they had no child, Elizabeth was barren, they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people prayed outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife and many will rejoice at his birth. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. 
So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. God is a God of details. He has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. He hears your prayers. He hears whether you're single, whether you're a husband praying for your wife, a wife praying for yourself, for your family. And it, sometimes it's not the woman that's barren, it's the man that's barren, so to speak. Firing blanks or whatever may be happening. I need some help in that area. Don't give up. But also be prepared that if God says, you know what, this is not in my plan for your life, that that's going to be okay. And I'm sure in a room like this, we could go around, there are childless women, there are women in the same category, maybe you know someone beyond this place that needs some encouragement. Pray for them, love them, be patient with them, and come alongside them and encourage them to wait on the Lord. Don't take matters into their own hands, because you may get what you want, but you may not want what you get in the long run. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talks from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.